This is episode 48 of the weekly eye-catching words podcast, published on the 1st of November, 2023. Hello and welcome to the Eye Catching Words podcast. Well, it's been another shit show of a week internationally and this is beginning to have a real impact on people around the globe, both politically and personally. A lot of people are very, very down, very angry, very sad and feel very connected with what's going on, particularly in Israel and Gaza. More of that later. Uh, this week we've got uh, notes from the week uh, the inevitable section on Israel and Gaza, uh, a wider note on how to monitor conflict around the globe, because we must remember there are many other conflicts going on as well, and it raises some questions about the ethics of focusing on just one or two. A new acronym, uh, IJBOL, to go up there along with LOL and LFMAO. Uh, what is it? Well, you'll find out. Uh, some lessons from America relating back to the Great Crash of 29 and following the implications all the way through the Great Depression and the New Deal through to the modern day from the wonderful Heather Cox Richardson. Another section on AI humour, which was very popular last week, so we're going to give it a second bash. And finally, the play out this week is by the art of noise, singing along with Tom Jones, or rather playing along with Tom Jones with kiss. So let's kick off with notes from the week. Notes from the last week. Thursday. Four weeks from today on the 24th of November I will wake up and find that I'm retired although I will still be on the NHS's books and paid until the 13th of January. That is a purely technical distinction. I will be free of the need to work for a living and will not need to account to anyone for my time. I have many interests and many loving people in my life so I will have no problem filling my days. A phrase I find annoying because it suggests I'm just marking time until I die, which I know on one level is all any of us do, employed or not. I am financially comfortable, so there will be no external motivation to work. How do I feel about this? We're back to that old chestnut, the meaning of life. For me, it is not enough to be free of the burden of work and with plenty of jobs and interests. I need something that gives me meaning. Or do I mean status? There is something I call the PCT or party conversation test. It's when someone who doesn't know you says, what do you do? Because that, for some strange reason, is the biggest single indicator of what you are. But as someone once pointed out, we are human beings, not human doings. When did anyone ask you at a party, what or who are you? The latter question, by the way, seems to be reserved for superheroes. Masked man or woman sweeps down, rescues woman and baby from building. Who are you? she cries in astonishment. 
Let's be honest, no one ever asked Superman, Batman or Iron Man what they do for a living. The answer would simply be, I do good, or maybe check out the uniform. Or maybe it's complicated, because being a superhero always seems to be complicated. An interesting thing, in response to the question, what do you do, older people who have stopped doing it, say I am a retired lawyer, plumber, colonel, mercenary or whatever, as though something they have stopped doing still defines them. Which means you are not even a human being, you are a human what I once did. Sunday. Matthew Perry was declared dead in the small wee hours. He was found drowned in his hot tub. This is why I don't go near water, it's very dangerous. I never realised quite how sad a life he had, although I knew he had his problems. He made the iconic character of Chandler Bing his own. Warner Brothers are still making close to a billion dollars a year from friends, so however much Perry and the rest made, they gave, they gave good bang for buck. Our trip to Guildford hit two snags, the first of which was that it pissed down with rain in that cold, unpleasant way that seems to be the norm at the moment. Secondly, we got out of the car in Guildford and found we had a flat tyre which we later found out was due to a small, a small piece of metal embedding itself in the tyre wall. The mobile tyre man who came out and rescued us said the offending item was from a, a set of brake pads and was a little clip known as a shim. According to the Cambridge Dictionary, a shim is a small object or piece of material used between two parts of something to make them fit together or to prevent them rubbing against each other. I don't know about you, but that sounds to me like something you would buy in Anne Summers. Tuesday. Spent the day in the Belfry Shopping Centre in Red Hill, talking to members of the public about how they could be prepared for winter and look after their health. It was a tiring but very positive and at times humbling experience. There are so many people out there who get on with their lives heroically and stoically despite extreme old age, illness and infirmity. When I got home, I caught up on the COVID inquiry testimony from Dominic Cummings and others, which was in sharp contrast to my day spent with so many so-called ordinary people. It is alleged that Boris Johnson asked the question, why are we destroying the economy for people who will die soon anyway? And that, that Matt Hancock basically lied and wriggled at every turn. Why am I not surprised? Israel and Gaza. It's been another terrible week for the Israel-Gaza conflict and on the day that I'm recording this podcast the attack by Israel on a refugee camp where a top Hamas commander was based uh, has resulted in many many civilian uh, deaths and Medicines Sans Frontieres have called for an immediate cessation of hostilities. Israel's position is becoming untenable as it's now beginning to cause an enormous body count amongst civilians and particularly children which will not mean that it can retain any sympathy for the uh, attacks that Hamas conducted on the 9th of October. The position is fast becoming indefensible but indefensible too are the reactions of people all around the world uh, who are moving from anti-Israeli sentiment to outright anti-Semitism with attempts to attack ordinary Jewish people, ordinary Israeli citizens who don't wish to support the conduct of this war. 
there have been raids on airports in Russia. There have been uh, accounts of uh, demonstrations all across the world which have featured not uh, anti-Israeli uh, or calls for ceasefire, uh, but have also said that they are showing quite clearly anti-Semitic tropes of a very well-established nature. Jews around the world feel unsafe and are being treated unfairly. The leadership of Israel, which is responsible for this conflict in the sense that it has uh, allowed Hamas to flourish and it has um, created the conditions in which Hamas's attack could take place, is just that. It is the leadership of the Israeli government. As I've said before in this podcast, it is a right-wing authoritarian and anti-democratic regime. But to attack uh, or criticise Jews around the world simply for being Jewish uh, is outright anti-Semitism. It is nothing to do with this conflict. It has to stop. Monitoring conflict zones around the world. This is a time when we need to try and get the world situation in perspective and try and understand that numbers are of limited value, but also that the context is critical. There is something called the Centre for Preventive Action, which organises a global conflict tracker. And this uh, gives a graphic description of how many conflicts are going on in the world and at the moment there are 32 significant conflicts in the world uh, obviously Ukraine and Israel-Palestine are significant amongst them but it's interesting that in 2022 the Centre for Preventive Action lists 237,000 people who are estimated to have died around the world as a consequence of organised armed conflict. I'm not suggesting for one minute that uh, one conflict in any one country is more significant, more significant than any other, but it does make you think that we do tend to become affected by the ones which are closest to home. And uh, what is significant about the uh, Israel-Gaza conflict is the wider impact it has, uh, and similarly the Ukraine was felt to be uh, really significant to people living in Europe because it was right on Europe's doorstep. The Centre for Preventive Action is a US-based organisation and um, it's very parochial in the sense that if you click on any of the dots in the world conflict map, they list uh, the severity of the conflict and also the level of impact it is having on America. Uh, it is parochial, but it's still an important resource. Also interesting is the ACLED Global Dashboard, which is, as it says on the tin, a graphical user interface that enables you to look at a map of the world and see where the hotspots are, not just battles between countries, but mostly, in fact, uh, internal civil conflicts of the sort that characterised the Sudan. This is quite a sad map because it makes you realise just how many of the world are suffering from conflicts which are leading to literally thousands of deaths every day. So in Africa, for instance, approximately half the countries there have are, or are experiencing some kind of conflict or uh, internal oppression, ranging from Sudan and Ethiopia to Nigeria and even South Africa. Brazil figures badly as well, as does Mexico, 
And I think we lose sight of a lot of the internal oppression and conflicts that take place. Of course, Mexico is famous for the battles between the government and what can only be described as the gangsters of that region. Um, have a look at this because it's a really interesting uh, map. It's a really interesting resource. And I'll publish the link on the Eye-Catching Words website. I just burst out laughing. Have you ever, in text conversation or whilst chatting on the internet, or even in real life, used the expression LOL, laughing out loud? If you haven't, you may well have used a different expression, uh, laughing my ass off, L-M-A-O. Well, apparently there is a new phrase currently going, becoming vogue across the internet. L-J-B-O-L, which sounds incredibly unwielding to me. But L-J-B-O-L is apparently produced, pronounced each bowl, um, and it stands for I just burst out laughing. Now, why we need another acronym, I do not know. Personally, one of my favourites is WTF. Uh, what the fuck, but uh, not least because some people in America got confused and thought it meant why that's fantastic and started using it to their children, who of course guffawed uh, and if they were cruel, didn't let on and just let mum and dad use it in conversation, or if they were kind or embarrassed, they told them what it meant and not to use it. Going back to uh, IJBOL, it apparently is uh, felt to be uh, a generational thing. Um, Generation Zers see it as a successor to LMAO, uh, and they feel it's more timely. And it's apparently it is associated with none other than Kamala Harris, who has a habit of um, just suddenly laughing, bursting out laughing, partly to cover her embarrassment or perhaps to cover uh her discomfort but uh there are memes floating around with kamala harris uh associated with ljbol now i, I honestly don't care i mean if you, i i have used some of these phrases i have used lol quite a lot lmao i think is too american for me uh laughing one's bottom off might be uh, might be more english uh, and Lobo does trip off the tongue quite nicely, actually. Perhaps we should try make, making a Lobo a very British acronym, laughing one's bottom off. So if you hear anyone taking uh, using the expression IJBOL, uh, it's not Korean, which some people think it is. It is actually, I just burst out laughing. Probably will get used a lot by people who have just done nothing of the sort. Lessons from America. Heather Cox Richardson, one of the top political observers in the U.S., recently reminded us how 20th century history had lessons for us. On October 29, 1929, the U.S. stock market crashed and by 1932 a million people in New York City were out of work. By 1933, 
13 million people, one person of every four in the labor force, were unemployed. Republican President Herbert Hoover preached that Americans could combat the Depression with thrift, morality, and individualism, but in 1932, nearly 58 percent of voters turned to Democratic President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who promised them a new deal, a government that would work for everyone, not just for the wealthy and well-connected. Is this ringing any bells? As soon as Roosevelt was in office, Democrats began to pass laws protecting workers' rights, providing government jobs, regulating business and banking, and beginning to chip away at the racial segregation of the American South. New Deal policies employed more than 8.5 million people, built more than 650,000 miles of highways, built or repaired more than 120,000 bridges, and put up more than 125,000 buildings. They regulated banking and the stock market and gave workers the right to bargain collectively. They established minimum wages and maximum hours for work. They provided a basic social safety net and regulated food and drug safety. When he took office in 1953, Republican Dwight D. Eisenhower, one of the most underrated of presidents, built on this system, adding to the nation's infrastructure. Eisenhower called his vision a middle way between untrammeled freedom of the individual and the demands of the welfare of the whole nation. The system worked. Between 1945 and 1960 the nation's gross national product, GNP, jumped by 250%, from $200 to $500 billion. But while the vast majority of Americans of both parties liked the new system that had helped the nation to recover from the Depression and to equip the Allies to win World War II, a group of Republican businessmen inundated newspapers, radio, and magazines with the message that the government must stay out of the economy to return the nation to the policies of the 1920s. Ronald Reagan backed the creation of an organization that brought together big businessmen, evangelical Christians, and social conservatives behind his agenda. The evangelical base has become more and more important to the Republican Party. Now it has put one of its own in the House Speaker's chair just two places from the presidency. Mike Johnson asserts that we do not live in a democracy but in a biblical republic. He told a Fox News Channel interviewer that to discover his worldview, one simply had to go pick up a Bible off your shelf. Johnson is staunchly against abortion rights and gay rights, including same-sex marriage, and says that immigration is the true existential threat to the country. In a 2016 sermon he warned that the 1960s and 1970s undermined the foundations of religion and morality in the U.S. and that attempts to address climate change are an attempt to destroy capitalism. Cox Richardson produces these kinds of analyses every week so subscribe to her email. You won't be disappointed and you'll be much better informed about U.S. politics. AI jokes. I've decided to pay for surgery to become a cyborg. Is that expensive? Apparently it will cost me an arm and a leg. A friend of mine whose smartphone had run out of battery deliberately committed a crime so that he could get arrested. Why did he do that? He was desperate to get charged. I'm dating twins from a small village near Leatherhead. Effingham. Not yet, but I have my hopes.
A friend of mine drowned in a tragic accident, so we had a wreath made that looked like a life belt. Isn't that in bad taste? Yes, but it's what he would have wanted. I went to a hen party made up as Bonnie from Bonnie and Clyde. Why did you do that? The invite said dress to kill. I'm sure wherever my dad is, he's looking down on us. That's really sweet. When did he die? Oh, he's not dead, just very condescending. If there's one thing I hate, it's crimes committed in multi-storey car parks. How come? It's just wrong on so many levels. I'm in a new band called Prevention. Why did you choose that name? So that people would assume we were better than the cure. I had to choose a new password for my work computer the other day. It had to be a minimum of eight characters. What did you go for? Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. It took me ages to climb the stairs at Waterloo to catch a train the other day. Why didn't you use the escalator? Because there was a sign saying dogs must be carried, and I don't have a dog. That's all from me. I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. I shall be retiring in another couple of weeks, three weeks. Uh, and then after that, who knows what might happen? The whole thing might change. Here is Tom Jones with The Art of Noise. Have a great week and see you next time. You don't have to be beautiful to turn me on. I just need your body, baby, from dusk till dawn. You don't need experience to turn me out. You just leave it all up to me. I'll show you what it's all about. You don't have to be rich to be my girl. You don't have to be cool to rule my world. Ain't no particular sign I'm more compatible with. I just want your extra time and your kiss. Talk dirty, baby If you wanna impress me You can't be too flirty, mama I know how to undress me Let me be your fantasy And maybe you could be mine You just leave it all up to me We can have a good time Think I better dance now.
Eye-catching Words podcast is published every Wednesday. Each episode is prepared in MindNode and recorded and edited using Hindenburg Pro. AI voices are by Revoicer, and music and sound effects are by Soundstripe. For further information visit eyecatchingwords.blog.